Real. Number one, I'm out here looking like one on one. Everyone else is a runner up, and I still feel like I ain't done enough. Talk to myself like it's your time. Walk in the building, it's your time. Gotta give thanks to the most high. I am the one that she's co-sign. What up, co-signers? Thanks for joining us for episode seven of the Cosign Conversations podcast. Uh, this episode is probably already one of my favorites. I'm joined by Ian Lara, uh, one of my Afro-Latino brothers. He's from Dominican Republic, and he resides in New York City. Uh, as many of you guys know, I'm Panamanian, and I was born in Brooklyn. So, you know, we kind of have those two things in common. But uh, Ian Lara is one of the hottest rising comics in New York City. He's already been featured on Comedy Central and has done a special on The Jimmy Fallon Show. That's crazy, right? Um, in a short amount of time, he's already garnered over 10 million views on YouTube on some of his specials. So without further ado, here's episode seven of the Cosign Conversations podcast with Ian Lara. So, man, the first kind of question I want to ask you, man, it's kind of cliche, but it kind of gives our audience who aren't familiar with you a little more background. Yeah. So who 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 would you say is Ian Lara? Um, Ian Lara, I'm a. I guess I, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a I'm a stand-up comedian um, from New York, um, and uh, I'm a I'm of Dominican descent. I was born and raised in New York, but my parents are both um, Dominican, so I'm a Afro Latino from uh, from New York City, and I do stand-up comedy. I guess that's what. It's a funny question because as cliche as it is, you stop to think, and you're like. Right. Who is he <laughs> right. No, you know. And another thing that may want to connect with you is because man, we kind of have similar backgrounds. So um both my parents are from Panama. They're both Panamanians. So Oh Panamanian. Yeah, dope, yeah. Dope. So I have I have the uh, Afro-Latino as well. And I was born in Brooklyn. So um Oh, okay. What part? What part of Brooklyn? Like Park Slope. Park Slope. Area. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so we still own a brownstone after I go there every summer, but um, but yeah, I wasn't. Oh man, you rich? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they, they got it. They got it early when it when it, when it was cheap. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> now these days, you know, rent control, man. We, we we just we just keeping it. We just maintain it right now. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. But uh, why why you brought up the Dominican aspect, bro? I want to talk to you about you know saying because when I told people when I was younger, you know, that I was Hispanic and Panamanian, they looked at me like, "But you're black. I don't get it." Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Do you have any like crazy stories of how you had to like tell people that you're Hispanic and them not really understanding how you kind of had to break it down for them? Oh my God! I mean, it's the story. It's the story, as you know. I mean, you could relate. It's the story of my life all, all the time. I mean, to be honest, um, and this is just me being 100 percent honest. Uh, sure. Growing up, growing up, like you know, being black and 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 Latino or whatever, you 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 struggle because you know both in the Dominican Republic, as I'm sure as in Panama, basically every speaking country, every place in the world, they still experience some type of colorism where. Oh, you know, yeah. where where uh, there's certain people there or certain way of thinking. And sometimes it's, it's unintentional, but sometimes because of the complexion of your skin, they could try to make you feel feel a little bit less than. So I dealt with on the Dominican side a lot of times, not from my um, immediate family, but a lot of times I will hear jokes and, and stuff that that they said that uh, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't positive things about being dark. And right. Then, and then growing up in New York, sometimes from like the 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 Caribbean, um, like the Jamaican, um, um, Haitian. Sometimes I would hear from them like that I wasn't black, that I was 
Spanish. So exactly. like he was like cut in the middle. You're like, you're like, what am I? Like what you know, yeah. like both sides. I'm I'm getting backlash from both sides. Um I, I don't know where where exactly I fall. So I'm kinda happy that um now we reached a place where a lot of us who didn't have a place where we could say, Hey, listen, I'm just this. Like y'all exactly. figure it out. I'm this. Y'all figure it out. I'm not <laughs> explaining it to y'all. Not for sure. <laughs> y'all figure it out. This is what I am. So yeah. I'm kind of happy that that that's where that we're here. Nah, definitely, man. And a quick story about me. My mom kind of forced it upon me, man. When I was growing up, she made me um, she made me actually dance. Typical. So I had to dance the Panamanian folkloric dance group, and sure, you know, like too, in, yeah, yeah. So in middle school, you know, you want to play ball, be with your friends. And on the right. weekends, I had to dress up and dance. So like, I despised her at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I right. Yeah. I didn't want to do it, but now yeah. that you know, I look back, I'm like, I'm kind of glad that she did it because I know a lot more about my culture. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm more proud right. than, you know, if I if I didn't, wasn't forced to do it, man. So it's it's, right, it's, cr- right. it's crazy, you know, having to play both sides and not know where you fit in and having to explain people, man. So I definitely, right. I'm definitely glad we could relate on that. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, I feel like in New York, especially if you grew up in New York, inner cities, it's such a melting pot that you just kind of blend in. Like, right. especially if you look like something, like you don't even have to be it. If you look like something growing up in the inner city <laughs> you could pretty easily just be that <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you're that or not yeah no facts facts and you fluent in spanish right yeah yeah my mom yeah i was fluent in spanish my mom and dad um you know they came from dr so that i was first generation to be raised there got you got you man that's yeah. awesome man I, I, I know that gives you a lot of points with the ladies too man yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up, you know, because it, it, it takes time to be comfortable w- with yourself for everybody, you know, for no sure. matter what it is, especially when you're different. So growing up, like speaking Spanish, you kind of I, I kind of didn't want to speak it because I spoke it at home and I wanted to, to speak English because that was the language that was spoken here. But as you get older, then I'm definitely super grateful that my parents instilled um, like the language and 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 different stuff about about the culture with me that I carry on that now it, it's it's valuable. Nah, for sure, for sure. So do you ever go back to the Dior? Yeah, yeah, I go all the time. I mean, before obviously before this pandemic stuff sure. happened, I I would go a couple times a year. Um, I still have um my my well my grandfather my grandmother uh, she actually just passed away um last month but she was Sorry, out there my man. grandfather. Thanks, man. It's okay. She was out there when my grandfather's out there. And I got a couple aunts and uncles that I, I, I go visit um, a couple times a year. So yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely, I definitely go back. And honestly, for some, when I, I did my, when I did my first Comedy Central video, um, I talked about being um, from the Dominican, from my parents being from the Dominican Republic. Right. And somehow, I mean, it, it, I guess um, with, with the internet, it went viral and somehow it reached DR. So a lot of people out there um, know like a, a, a little bit about me. So they show me a lot of love when I'm out there, especially like because there's a new scene of stand up comedians out there and they all like really, really uh, bang with me out there. So they always show me love. Oh, that's amazing, bro. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. after all this is over, with, man, you know, saying you could do a, a special out there or something. I mean, yeah, that would be actually I never thought of that. That would be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be some great content, man. Mm-hmm. But um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about comedy, man. So uh, it's, it's very interesting to me because a lot of um, well, from from what I read, a lot of comedians, right, always always grown up telling jokes, right? Were you always like the funny one in school, or 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 like how did you how did you fall into comedy? What was that What was that process like? Yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, like, as you know, growing up, I just feel like in, in New York, it's just different. So, like, me and all my friends were funny. Like, we was all funny. We were all the funny ones. 
um, growing up. Like we was all constantly jokes and, and, and we was on the basketball team. It was constant jokes. It was always funny, but I never really thought about like, oh, maybe I should, you know, try to make this a career. It wasn't until like, I remember like the first time I really kind of realized like, I'm uh, like, damn, I'm, 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 I'm a funny guy. Like I'm the funny guy <laughs> yeah. was probably in, in high school. Like, okay. cause, cause like I said, all of my friends were funny. So with us, it, it's just what we was. But like when, when, when we went from junior high school to high school where, you know, you, it, the amount of people, you know, doubles or triples just because the high school so much bigger. So you're exposed to much more of the, of, of the world. Right. You meet so much more people coming from a small school to like a bigger school. And when I started to meet other people, I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm I'm funny, like, cause with my friends we were just all that, so right? We, we we all were funny, so we didn't think it. We just thought everyone was like this. We thought everyone was silly and thing. But then you meet other people who silliness or funniness is not really their thing, and you kind of like, oh no, okay, I'm 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 funny. But I didn't think about um doing stand up until even later. Now I remember my freshman year of college. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she uh for my birthday she took me to see a stand. She took me to see Chris Rock. Okay. Uh, film his special at the Apollo. He was filming Kill the Messenger at the Apollo. And I went out there and I just, I mean, I was always a fan of stand-up from a kid. I just, I just love the art, but seeing it live like that right? for the first time, I just really felt like in love with it. Like it's, just, it was just so cool to me. Like, like it was cool. Like he had like a, a band playing and then the band goes away. Then the lights go down, it gets silent and, it's just one person talking into a microphone and everybody there is super eager to hear what he has to say. Like, that's just so dope to me. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I like I, I really fell in love with it, where I was like, this is something. But I kind of had it in the back of my head because I was at the time I was away at college and I was um studying and, and I was uh, pre-law. So I was still on the okay. path to be a lawyer. But then again, it took me again, junior year, there was a stand up show at my school. So I saw a freshman year at the Apollo, which was like super, you know, Hollywood, bright lights, right. middle big, of New York. Big like production. Fancy. Yeah, HBO taping, huge production. And then I saw it at my school. They put on a comedy competition at my school. And I wasn't part of it, but I saw it. And I went to it and saw it done at like, you know, low production level. And I was like, this is still dope, man. Like, this is still like something I would want to do. Like, even this in this uh little college uh theater college auditorium in front of like no real production just a just a bunch of people with a microphone this is something that i would i would want to do and that's when i really started to like research like all right how do you get started what's the process how do you become a stand-up comedian oh man that's that's amazing so so let me ask you this who was like the first person that kind of co-signed you and made you realize like yo this is really possible for me to take this seriously like I know, you know, it was embedded in you, but who kind of gave you the extra push and that belief early on? Um, um, like when I, when I, when I, when I first started, cause the first time I went to an open mic was between junior and senior year of college. But then I went back to college and I couldn't perform that year cause I was away at college. So I didn't start again until I graduated, which was in 2012, May in 2012. That's when I like officially started. And I kind of kept it under wraps for a long time because I didn't want, 
I didn't want to tell people because also I was brand new and I didn't feel like I was a comedian. Like I was a brand new. I know com- they say comedy is a thing where as soon as you start, you can be like, oh, I'm a comedian. But I was brand new. I was not comedian. I was paying to do paying money to get stage time to be able to perform at open mics. And I wasn't making I wasn't being paid to do it. I didn't consider myself a comedian. So I kept it secret. But everyone I told that I was a comedian, like all of my friends, they were all very supportive of it. And they all like kept me kept me like motivated like I, I really never had um or, or at least never really paid attention to anybody like trying to not like not being supported right so all of my friends and even my family all of them like when i told them all of them were like all right yeah like do it like do it i mean some of them were like you know i don't know because because i get it like a lot of people you say i'm gonna be a, com- a comedian nobody really knows a comedian right the people who do know a comedian it's very rare that they know a successful one not for sure so they know, like, you know, their friend that says I'm a comedian that does shows at bars and stuff, but still has the day job. But not a lot of them know, like I said. So when you tell somebody that a lot of times they if they care about you, they might be hesitant because it's not that they are dream killers or that they want to hate, but they just want you to be good. And they don't know anyone is, who's good doing that. So they think that it's not a viable path for you. So I, I experienced some of that where, like, some um, family members was, like, hesitant to, like, they were like, well, all right, like do it, I guess. But they, but you could tell that with their questions and what they would say, like you know, stuff like, so you think you could make a living doing that, right? You know, stuff like <laughs> that, where, yeah, where I didn't take it as hate, but they just wasn't th- like they wasn't in it with me, and and they had no reason to really believe that you know I, that I would figure it out. Like no, I like that's why a lot of times people be like, yo. You know, a lot of people talk a lot about haters, but I don't really see it as I don't think you hate it. Like you have no real reason to believe it. Why would you believe in like, you know, like, yeah, I never thought I'm about it like that. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I don't take it. I don't take it personal. Like you, you honestly have no reason to believe that I'm going to do something crazy. And even if you do believe in me, I appreciate that. But you have no reason to believe that I would either. Right. You know, you just <laughs> that's, a, that's a different way of looking at it. I ain't, I ain't know that. That's cool. That's cool. Right. So, um, so early you said you were in pre-law. Did you end up finishing school or did you just? Yeah, I graduated with my bachelor's degree. Okay. I graduated. I got a bachelor's degree in uh, political science and economics and I was pre-law. And then when I graduated in May 2012, instead of like applying to, to law school immediately, I was like, I'm going to take the year off to apply to law school and get acclimated. Um, and during that year I started doing stand up like heavy and I, I continued to try to, like, I took the LSATs and all that and I was starting to apply, but I remember I was like maybe a year and a half, two years into doing comedy. I had got delayed a little bit, but a year and a half, two years into doing comedy, I did the show and there was some lawyers at the show and, and, and I was brand new, but the show went fine. Like it was like, okay, show whatever. And I did okay. And I, I was, uh, talking to the lawyers after the show and they were telling me about law. And this was like, again, this was like 2014 ish. Okay. So it was like, we had just made it out like the recession where like economically, you know, things weren't the, the best at that, at that time. Right. You know, we had just came out of, of, of those dark days of, of, of the, you know, 2010, 2011, where the stock market had crashed. So I was speaking to the lawyers and the lawyers was like, hey man, listen, if you want to be a lawyer because you love doing law, then go ahead. But if you want to be a lawyer because you think you can make good money, then you might as well try to be a comedian because the chances of you making money as a comedian is just as good as the chance of you making money as a lawyer. Damn. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, all right, strangers that I never met before <laughs> in my life, I'll take your life advice. Cool. <laughs> right. 
that's a, that's that's funny, bro. So so let's talk about the the your your comedic journey, right? Okay, so twenty fourteen or was it like twenty thirteen when you actually started doing stand up, right? Okay, so no, I, I started I started May twenty twelve. May twenty twelve. Yeah, the first time I got on stage was June two thousand and eleven. Okay, how was that experience? Was just, it was great, man. It was great. I looked on the internet. I found an open mic in New York City at a comedy club. I rehearsed for like three weeks in front of my mirror. I, I asked my cousin if he wanted to come with me, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll go with you." I picked him up, and we drove to the city, and I went and did the open mic. And I was nervous. It was the first time on stage. I was nervous. I didn't know how it was gonna go, and um, it went. I, I I did pretty well for my first time. I did pretty well. I had a, uh, you know, I, I had prepared for it, and I had the crowd. I had got the crowd on my side, the open mic crowd. So I did well, and. And I fell in love with it from there. But I knew that I would have to go back to college that fall. Right. So I did a couple open mics that summer. But I knew I wasn't going to hit it hard till I finished, till I came back in May 2012. And that's when I, I graduated, like, on a Sunday. And I remember, like, Thursday, that Thursday of the following week, I, I went to open mic. And I just, that's when I, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to go hard with this. I kept going. That's what's up, man. So I, I've never done comedy, but there was a brief stint in my life where I wanted to, you know, be an artist, a rapper. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, yes. I wrote rhymes, you know, um, recited them, rehearsed, you know, right. uh, is, is that kind of like the same process or like how was how would you say somebody should get prepared for comedy? Because I, I think that's just two different type of things, but it's almost the same trying to rehearse everything. But I think comedy, you're kind of basing it off of people's emotions, too. Right. So like, how right. do you prepare for that? Well, um, yeah, like everybody, a lot of different comedians have a different um, style, which I mean, when you start off, you're not going to really know your style. You kind of got to do it and do it and do it to figure out like, all right, this is my style. This is the kind of comedian that I am. Um, For me, like I I take a lot of pride in in my writing. Like I think that that my, you know, there's comedians that go out there and they're funny. I watch them. They're funny. They make me laugh. It's not to take away anything from them. They're hilarious comedians and they're great entertainers, but they go out there and, and most of their stuff is like physical stuff where like. They'll, they'll do physical act outs, which is funny, but that's not what I do. Like, that's not what I'm my thing. So my thing is like writing. So for me, getting prepared is literally just getting out my my joke book or my or my laptop and just really finding something that I find in a topic or a subject that I find funny or story that I want to tell. And just chiseling away is like an ice sculpture. You just start chiseling away till you get it to a point where it's a where it's a tight joke, you know. Right, all right. So, um, so what do you think? When do you think you actually caught your stride, and what do you think you would um, you would uh, appoint uh, that to? Was it a specific joke? Was it consistency? Was it somebody who was like, "Yo, I'm gonna give you an opportunity here"? Like, where do you think you finally caught your stride and started, you know, building up uh, your resume with comedy? Um, well, if it speaking like, uh, aside from like stuff that people would know, um, from the moment I started, I always took comedy like very serious, right. and because it's like comedy and it's innately a thing about joking people expect everything to be a joke right but i was one of the people who like when you saw me early at open mics i was always taking it seriously in the fact in the sense that like i was always writing and had my notebook and trying to tell jokes and no bs and when you treat anything like that i feel like not just comedy but any type of like craft like that people in it will want to help you. Like if they, th- if people think you're serious about it, like I feel like the universe positioned it's w- itself in a way to help you. So from the moment I, I, I started, like I've, I've always had like people who, who tried to help, who tried to help me. And, um, about when I was about five years in, um, I, I, I got like a manager pretty early. I got a manager at like three and a half years. And okay. 
and I started working with them and they, I'm still with them and they, they've helped me a lot. And around like four and a half, five years in, I met another comedian. Um, I don't know if you heard of him. His name is Mark Norman. He got a, he has specials out on Comedy Central. He's done Conan, The Tonight Show. He's done everything that you could do in comedy. And um, he was like one of the first like people who I looked up to who was like, who really helped me and like was like I'm gonna try to you know I'm gonna help you along and like right. I said when people think you're taking it seriously when people's like yo he's taking it seriously he's doing the work I'm gonna help him that's what happened so I never like I never left my house so I never went out like oh who could help me who could help me I just I just kind of work and do my work and then people like want to help no nah, for sure that's that's amazing bro so so I know everybody kind of has like their I don't want to say go to but like What's, is there a specific joke you think you're most known for that people always bring up when they see you or when they or they when they meet you or oh when oh yeah I'm sorry I, I forgot to answer I forgot to answer the the previous question um I think for me like the the first time like where things actually changed for me um was in September of 2018 okay. actually on my birthday September 11 2018 um I have filmed a a a, a short uh, digital set for Comedy Central okay in, uh, in Brooklyn they had hit me up like a week and a half before. They had a, they had seen me a couple of times because when you're doing comedy in New York, if you're one of the young new guys, like all the big companies, the Comedy Centrals, the MTVs, the HBO, everybody, they want to know who the young people are because gotcha. they want to have their hand on the pulse. You know, they don't want like you to come out of nowhere and they miss the opportunity to work with you. So what they'll do here, what they'll do is they'll have showcases where they'll invite like ten of the of of the of the best up and coming people, up and coming entertainers who they think to come showcase and then they'll send like the big executives to go watch. It'll be like at a regular comedy club. You won't notice anything was going on, but the big executives would be in the back taking notes or whatever. Okay. So I had did that for Comedy Central earlier in that year. I did it twice, actually. I did it um, for Comedy Central. They invited me twice. They invited me the first time, and it went well. And then they invited me back again the second time, and and it went well, too. But I didn't hear nothing from them. You know, it just go well, and then you go home, and that's it. Like, you don't hear nothing. They don't call you. They don't be like, yo, great job with them. They don't say nothing. <laughs> they just go on their way. Right. And then a couple months later, out of nowhere, they called me. They called my manager, and they was like, hey, we're working on this new, uh, this new digital thing. We want to go more digital so we're, we're starting a comedy central app but we're going to be big on youtube and facebook and we're going to really push it on that instead of linear instead of on tv and we're going to film a, we're going to film sets and we're going to release them and we're going to really try to push the comedian and they offered they, and they were like we want ian to be part of the the first season of it and they offered it to me and and i went and i did it and and i filmed it we filmed it in brooklyn um on my birthday and I was like, again, like, just like I used to take the open mics. I was like, yo, I don't know what this is because I was the first season of that. I didn't know okay. what this is. I didn't know what it would become. But I was like, I'm going to take it serious. I'm going to do what I think is my my good stuff. You know, there was a lot of comedians who did it, who filmed it with me, who because they didn't know what it was, they kind of didn't take it as serious. They just did whatever. You know? Right. They did um, whatever jokes they got. They, they might have not done their best stuff. But I was like, nah, I want to hit them hard. Like, nobody know who I am. Nobody when this release, I want people to be like, yo, this kid is good. So that's the one where I chose. Oh, and at that time I was traveling. I had just started traveling a lot for comedy. I started going on the road to a lot of places um, all over the country where I was I was performing comedy for like in all these white places in the country where I would have a lot of people. I tell people I'm, I'm Dominican and they wouldn't know what that is or, or they would be like, oh, you, you Dominican, but you're black. Like it was right. the same conversation <laughs> we were having earlier. Right. Right. So I wrote a joke about that. I wrote a joke about being um, um, Afro-Latino, which was my joke that I opened that um, Comedy Central set with. And I did the joke and I did it and I recorded it and it was fine. And the joke 
and they released the um my set on January I think nineteen January nineteenth two thousand nineteen. Okay, I I believe, and yeah, when they released that video, all of a sudden it just went viral. Like it just hit. Like it, I I wasn't expecting it to hit up uh, because uh, again I was just kind of telling my story from right. my perspective, but then it was people like yourself like who who grew up just like me who was like yes finally somebody's telling the story from our perspective exactly somebody is speaking to what i know because a lot of times you watch tv a lot of times you watch comedy and you'll laugh you'll enjoy it but nobody's speaking to what you go through right our voices aren't always amplified like that so that video for me was the first video that kind of changed stuff like that video got over like 10 million views and it was the first time that i started going to comedy clubs i started going to comedy shows and when i would show up like there would be a couple people here and there in the audience that knew who i was who who were like oh we've seen it we've seen your video we've seen your video and i got i remember like when it when it started like going viral like overnight like my instagram went from like 1500 followers to like 10,000 like yeah yeah, like I just woke up and it was like crazy and I was getting so many DMs and so many hit ups where people were like and it wasn't just people from the Dominican Republic, it was people from uh Panama, people from Cuba, people yeah. from Colombia, people who weren't even um people who weren't even Latin Latinx or whatever. It was just people who could just relate to the stuff I was talking about. And that gave me really the wings that I needed of like, yo, talk what you talk about what you want to talk about and the people who could relate, they're going to find you. They're going to search you out. You know, you don't have to, like, try to cater to what you think people want to hear. Right. Talk about what you want to talk about, and your people going to come to you. No, that's perfect. Bro. That's actually how I found you, honestly. Um, I can't remember what page, but I think an, another page, like some type of uh, Afro-Latin or Latin page, shared right. shared your stand-up about that. And I saw, and I like, after that, bro, I just kind of did my research and started watching everything I could on you. Not, you know what I'm saying? Just, just cause I was like, man, I want more content like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, was like, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely, bro. So like, cause see, it, cause for me, it was like, that was the first thing that brought people to me. And then once people came to me, I was able to like, talk about whatever I want to talk about. Exactly. Now they were like, like that opened the door so now like when i started talking about the dating stuff and all the other stuff like people were just like yeah like we get we, we understand what it's like to be 29 um afro latino or african american it don't really matter but right. like, we understand what it's like to be in that um demographic nah, and, sure. and the shit you go through yeah As a matter of fact um i was dying laughing because you said a joke I want to say it was about your your grandfather being with your grandma for you know uh, for so long, yeah, not being yeah, married. The, <laughs> Yo, the fifty nine years, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yo, that's um, that's my uncle, man. My, <laughs> my yeah, uncle. everybody, everybody <laughs> got someone. Everybody got somebody like that, man. See, that's yeah. the thing that will like go across. It don't matter where you from. Everybody got somebody like that. That was one of the jokes. That was one of the jokes that like um also like a lot of people um like could relate to. I remember um like when I did that was one of the jokes. Like when I did Jimmy Fallon, when mm-hmm. I did the Tonight Show, and when I did. Um, I did another show for NBC. Oh, bring the funny for NBC. Like that was a joke that they wanted a lot of people. Like they always want the executives always like do that. Like sometimes people be like, "Yo, you comedian. Like why are you why are you doing the same jokes right. on a different video?" It's like because they asked for it. They okay. want that joke. Like I'm, I'm. If it were up to me, I wouldn't do the same joke in the thing. But the people who are paying me to do this want that <laughs> joke in it, so right. I do it. Yeah, not like, exactly. Sometimes I read the comments and people's like, oh, I've heard this joke. Yeah, I wrote the joke and they asked for it. They paid me a lot of money to see me do it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm going to definitely do it.
But yeah, but no, I also had I also in that Comedy Central thing, I ended it with a with a with a short story about me going on a cruise with my friend, with like a with a with, a, with one of my boys. Like how when we were younger, we went on on this cruise thinking that it was gonna be like a like a we never had done a cruise. We ain't know cruises was like for couples. Right. And we, and we went on the cruise thinking it was gonna be like mad single girls <laughs> for us to meet, and it was no single girls, it was just couples <laughs> and us. Yeah. And and I did that story, and that's like another another one of the jokes that that people um like relate to i honestly i'm i'm kind of thankful that like every time i release um something or every time something comes out it's always like something that people really hang to so i don't I, like i don't have like one joke because if you just have one joke where people's like oh it's just that joke then it's like well you have you haven't wrote anything else, you know like you don't got anything else right it, it could kind of be like a like a luck thing but I, i'm 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 grateful that I have a couple things. Like every time I release something, there's there's plenty of things that that people could really relate to. Like in my latest one on Comedy Central, I got a joke about my mom not speaking English. Um, she's being in this country for 45 years and not speaking English. Right, a, so lot relate, a lot of people relate to that one too. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. It's like my it's like my father. My father my father moved to the states when he was like 21 from Panama. Joined mm-hmm. joined the army, and I and we still can't understand him half the time. I mean, we yeah. can, but a lot of people other can. I'm like, yo, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, right. I'm used to it. That's my father. But a lot of my friends be like, man, I can't understand what your dad is saying. I'm like, bro, like. Right, right. Uh, right. I, I got you. I, that's, that's like, every, I know, like, again, all of my friends, everybody I know got somebody like that. And when I wrote that joke, um, I didn't I didn't write the joke to make fun of, um, like, I, I'm, I'm not making fun of my mom right. for not speaking English. I'm not making fun of a parent for not speaking English. Honestly, the angle that I took was like, I get it. If I moved, if right now you moved me to another country, right. I'm not learning your language. <laughs> uh, right. Nah, I'm you. speaking English. Like, that's, I get it. I get why you would be like that as an immigrant. No, so no. that's the angle that I took on it. And again, it's something that like a lot of people relate to. A lot of people, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people told me, like, will hit me up, like, yo, I showed this to my mom or I showed this to my dad, you know, like the dad, like, mm-hmm. who, who just, just, who don't speak the language just to like to um show them like hey look and and they relate to it so i just try to write i i've just learned in the last two three years if you if you write what's real to you like people it's not only real as much as you think like yo this is real to me it's not just real to you it's life and it happens to everything not nah, for sure yeah on instagram i'm not sure you're familiar with him uh his name is jamali i think he's from uh he's from panama He's in New York yeah. too. Um, he does a lot of shorts because he's really actually a uh, uh, aspiring artist. But he does yeah. like a lot of short skits on Instagram, talking about being like um, Afro Panamanian. And man, like it's like yours and his. Like I always find clips, and then I kind of go back and then show you know show my family, and they be like, yeah, I can relate, or you know what I'm saying, like jokes that is 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 goes through generations. You know what I'm saying, like right. all ages understand these jokes, and you know they can relate. And it's just so right. fun and cool that I can share with my family. And, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I love the right. content you guys are doing. Right. But um, I appreciate that, man. As much as I love, like, having people who are like me understand, I, the approach I always take with my, um, when I'm writing stand-up, when I'm trying to tell my point of view, the approach I always want to um, take is I want um, people who are like me to understand, but I also want people who have no idea what I'm talking about to understand. So... Like to go back to that joke when I talk about like my mom not speaking um Spanish, like I do that I do that joke in front of like a lot of white people. And at first when I set it up that she doesn't speak Spanish, sometimes I'll hear them groan or get annoyed because a lot of them could feel like what the fuck, like learn the language. But then when I explain them, but I'm like, 
that but like think about it if you had to move somewhere right now you wouldn't learn the language right. they're like well that's true so like i take a lot of like pride in making people who don't understand understand like that's what i want to do no nah, for sure for sure and i don't, I don't want to skip over uh the jimmy fallon thing that's a big deal bro but um talk about that experience and how you know how that opportunity came about um yeah man that was huge that was a huge deal i mean a, a lot of people don't know this but for like a comedian to do um the tonight show right. i mean that's one of the biggest like um like like medals you could get like that's for a stand-up comedian to get because you have to understand for like for those five for five and a half minutes however long five and a half six minutes on you're the only thing on nbc on it's just you talking right. on nbc like the biggest channel in the world you're the only thing being broadcast all across america so for comedians that's like a huge thing and the way that came about was I, like again it's the same um, thing like i said with comedy century when um when you're one of the young ones everybody want to know who who it is so i did a showcase for the for the for jimmy fallon for the tonight show i did a showcase in 2018 and it was good it, it, everything went well it was good showcase but I didn't hear nothing. I really didn't hear nothing from them um, that, you know, a, lot, a couple other people that was on the showcase uh, got on the show and I, they never reached out and they said nothing. And then about a year later, I was out in Los Angeles doing some meetings and I just got an email from from Jimmy Fallon from the booker. He was like, hey, man, uh, I'm looking for new people to do the show in January. If you would like to do the show, we remember you from the showcase before. Send us a video. Send us a new video. We'll watch it. And we'll get back to you. I was like, I was in LA. I was like, all right, cool. I'll film it when I get back to New York. I'll, I'll tape a new set. So a couple of days later, I flew back to New York. I hit up the clubs. I'm like, hey, uh, I got to, uh, you know, I got to tape a, a set for Jimmy Fallon. If anybody would let me come to the club, do five minutes. And the clubs, they always show love. They was like, yeah, come down. You could you could record it on this show or whatever. So I, I went down to Broadway Comedy Club in Times Square and I taped the five minutes and it went well. It, it, I was happy with the tape. Um, I went home. I, I edited the tape. Like, I cut it down, whatever. Um, and I sent it to the manager, to the booker. And he got back to me a couple of days later. He was like, hey, man, I'm busy right now. I'm doing a show for, I forgot for what network. He was like, I'm working on a show for this network. But I'll watch your tape, and I'll get back to you. Because this was in, like, September. It was, like, in October. And it was, okay. it was, it was supposed to be for January. So he's like, I'll get back to you soon. I'll watch it soon. And then on Halloween, I'm 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 sitting home and I just get an email. He's like, "Hey man, I just saw this tape. This is great. We just had a dropout. Would you like to do this in two weeks?" And I was like, <laughs> "Hell yeah!" Like I'm like, "In two weeks, hell yeah!" But you know, it takes it's like those jokes. I wasn't necessarily performing those jokes at the time, so I had to get them ready. So I took those two weeks. I was doing five, six shows a night, just running those jokes because a lot of people don't know this, but you don't just go up there and tell those jokes. You got to get those jokes tight, where like. You know exactly where to pause, where the laughs come, where to look, what the, the facial expressions like that. That's practice. That's not like it, it's, it doesn't just happen. So you right. really got you really got to think. So I started running it, running it, running, running. I ran it I, from from Halloween to the day I filmed it, which was November 14th. I may I may have done those jokes maybe in two weeks, maybe 50 to 60 times. That same exact joke, the Damn. same exact set. Yeah, you <laughs> run it, run it. By the time it came, I knew I could do it in my sleep. Like, I right. knew it. I knew it. And um, a couple days before the show, I remember a couple days before the show, I was running it so much because this happens a lot too, especially with entertainment. I was running it so much that I was becoming exhausted with the material. Like, I was exhausted. I was tired of telling it. 
and it was it was landing flat because I didn't have the emotion that I had for it originally because I've been telling it so much you're like beating it to the ground it's like the first time you perform jokes you got like you got a lot of love in it because you're excited about it but as you keep you kind of you got to start faking the excitement as it gets things. So a couple of days later, I was nervous. I was like, yo, I'm going to go on TV and I'm going to like, I'm going <laughs> to embarrass myself on, on, on national TV. It's going to be terrible. But um, the night before, um, the night before you film the show, the show producers, they, they come with you. They, uh, they get a car and you drive around and hit all the clubs in New York city to, to run the set. Like if you go, when you, the night before you're going to perform, you hit up all the comedy clubs and you just walk in with the producers and they're like, Oh, he's going on next. He's doing Jimmy Fallon tomorrow. And they put you up and they, if there's anything, yeah, if there's anything they want you to change, they'll be like, Hey, maybe try this, try that, try that. But you run it four or five times. So I did that the night before and I kind of, it, it went well again, so I was I kind of got had my confidence again, and then the next day when the day came, the the Jimmy Fallon day came, I I kind of just was like I just took it like a regular day, you know I ain't put too much pressure on myself. I remember I woke up, I went to the gym, I got back from the gym, I I, I went home, I got dressed. They sent a a car for me, I, my mom and dad, my mom, dad, and my sister came. Um, yeah, they sent a the car. They drove us to the city to Thirty Rock. We got there. It was like show business, man. We got yeah. there. Somebody met us at the door. Like, are you Ian Larry? Yes, I'm Ian Larry. My mom's <laughs> like, He's a nobody. Why y'all? <laughs> they they took my suit. They're like, hey, do you need us to press your suit? I'm like, yeah, you can press my suit. <laughs> you press my suit. They're like, can we get y'all anything? Took us to the green room. It's crazy. Um, on the, on the episode that I was in, Alex Rodriguez was always was also on. Okay. Who's also like you know Dominican baseball player? He was right next to us. He was in the dressing room right next to us. So for like my mom and dad, you know, I'm I'm sure that was uh that was like a big like thing for them to see. I'm the I'm their youngest son. Like to see me there and see me at the dressing room and see me, you know, perform on such a big um spotlight. And it was also the first time that both of them ever saw me do stand up. Uh, seven years. I was seven years in when I did oh, wow. that the first time. That they ever saw me do stand up, they got to see me do it live at the Thirty Rock um, Tonight Show stage, which is, you know, it was honestly a dream come true for me. Yeah, that's an amazing experience, bro. Yeah, it, it, it really was. Yo, I'll congr- never forget that. Congratulations, man! Like, man, you definitely got support, and you know, fans out here in, in Dallas and Texas, man. So I definitely salute you for everything you're doing, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, no doubt, man. So, um, like, well, I still got you, bro. So I know earlier we talked about some of the comedians and stand-ups you used to watch, you know, growing up, whereas there are like a few in particular that you always, you know, resonated with as a kid or, you know, as a young adult that you still kind of go back and watch. I think um, one of mine is Martin Lawrence. You so crazy. Oh yeah. Martin Lawrence, (laughs) Martin Lawrence, you so crazy is is a classic. Yeah. I definitely, that was one of the first stand-ups that I, that I watched that, that, you know, it is it, definitely a classic. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of them. I like I like um that Chappelle's old stuff. Chappelle's oh, killing yeah. softly. That that's that's classic to me. Jamie Foxx has I might need security. I don't know. Okay, if, yeah, I remember you know, that one. Mm-hmm. I might need security. Is so is so funny. I like Chris Rock's old stuff. Chris Rock's never scared. Um, Chris Rock, you know, all of his stuff basically. And, 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 and I watch it and I enjoy it. Sometimes you got to like, cause sometimes I watch, um, you so crazy. And like some of the stuff you have to understand that like comedy, like everything, comedy evolves and like, like music, it evolves. If you like rap, you hear rap from 1992, that if that same song was made today, it wouldn't rock today. You can't, right. it's not the same time. <laughs> so sometimes I watch like you so crazy and I'm like, yo, this is so good. But like, 
I, you have to, as an artist, you have to be aware. I can't try to do that because you can't do that anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like some stuff wouldn't apply today. Right. The way Martin and the way Martin is just the, from generally that like, just the way he speak, just the way he's speaking, like some of the stuff is like you can't even say that anymore. You know, yeah. same with Eddie Murphy. Sometimes you watch Eddie Murphy, his classic raw delirious. Some of the stuff he says in that is like, oh, you can't talk like that. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say Eddie Murphy raw, too. But yeah, you definitely can't like you got to leave that in that time frame. <laughs> right, so you you kind of just watch it like, yo, that was good for what it was, and it kind of it, it's kind of like, as a as a fan of like Martin and as a fan of all those classic things, you kind of got to take a step back because you a fan and an artist, so you're like, yo, I want to do that, like I want to be that raw and that thing, but like that's not okay anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little boundaries and stuff now. Right, but, right. Uh, that's what's up, man. So so just to fast forward a little bit, man. So it's it's 2020, man. Like this, these first eight months have been different. Have been crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, how you been? I'm I'm sure you you've been writing new material. Uh, are, are you are you staying within the times, or like are you trying to stay away from like writing COVID pandemic quarantine material, or are you one of those comedians? You know, what I'm saying you you write well, you know, with what you're going through. Um, I'm trying. I, yeah, I've been trying to write. It's tough though, because writing um writing is only good. I feel like if you performing it, right. but I really haven't been performing it. Cause you know, up until a month ago, everything I, I hadn't been on stage in three and a half months, four months. Right. So you write all this stuff. So all this stuff you, you, you write is like, you don't know if it's good or not. And, and, and you get discouraged cause you're not performing it. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was writing a lot, but then I kind of like fell off. Cause I was like, I don't know if this is good or not. I don't know what I'm writing. I need to perform these things to know if it's good. So I be, I started performing again, like a month ago and I've been like, tr- then I started writing again and trying to develop new stuff. But yeah, I, I try to stay away from the pandemic. Listen, I feel like when this is all said and done, we're never going to want to talk about this. Again. Right. <laughs> right. No, I feel you. Like, so I, I just want to, I just want to go back to real life. Like, I just want to go back to regular um, stuff, regular shit that you're going to. Like when, when, when this is over, we're just going to be like, yo, that was, ter- that was a terrible time. Like, I don't want to hear jokes about it. I don't want to hear your silliness about it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And also, and also I feel like there's going to be, there's a lot of comedians who that's what they're going to be trying to do. So I'm like, why try to do that? Just try to do you because nobody's going to really try to do what you're doing because it's what you're doing. So just right. speak from, from your experiences. So if I have something that I think is really, really good, I'm like, yeah, y'all need to hear this on COVID. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. But other than that, like somewhere I'm like, ah, that'll get like a mediocre laugh. I'm like, I don't need it. Gotcha. <laughs> that, now that makes sense. That makes sense, man. So yeah. for your personal experience, would you say you're the same? you know saying same person online and offline as far as you know uh comedian and person so like are you the same every day or is it more so like you know when you're around your people you don't want to be you know always telling jokes and all that nah i yeah i hate i'm when i'm around my friend when i'm around people in general i hate the i hate the pressure of like be funny tell yeah, jokes tell like, me nah, joke. I'm, I'm chilling i'm chilling right now like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do this i, I do this um when when you know pre-pandemic i do this every single night and it's not as easy as or fun as it looks it's still a job where right, like, still work sometimes you get on stage you just want to chill like can we just chill just talk just you know like i don't want to i hate something like yo be funny sometimes i meet people <laughs> and it's like sometimes i meet people and they're like yo i wouldn't even think you were a comedian it's like why not because i'm not wearing a clown outfit <laughs> <laughs> i'm chilling like yeah. 
Could we just chill? Like, I, 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 but um, generally, I would say I'm the same because sometimes people, sometimes people stress about the fact of like, oh, is that joke real or is did that really happen or is that oh, story you. real? And it's like, I mean, does it really matter if it's right. good? If it's a good joke or good story, does it really matter if it happened or not? Just enjoy it for what it is exactly I mean, when something happens to you and you retell a story don't you hype it anyway like so, <laughs> exactly it's, it's natural right so the next person could enjoy it you're not going to tell your same boring ass story the way it happened you got to yeah. add a couple things to it yeah. to make it entertaining so for me as long as it's coming from as long as like when i'm in a when i'm in a joke like as long as like if I'm telling a story, if I would do what I said I would do in the joke is mm. real, then I'd be like, "Alright, it's real." Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to pretend that that I'm something I'm not. Like, I, you know, I don't want to. Like, if I'm telling a story about like me getting robbed, I don't want to be like. So then I punched him in the face. I grabbed his gun and I was yeah. like, "Yes, yeah, what now?" I'm not I, doing I try, it. I try to stay real to me in every story I tell and every joke I tell. No. So I would say we're the we're we're the re it's really whatever whatever um point of view I'm telling, generally it's me. But then again, it's also jokes. So don't take it too seriously. No, nah, for sure. That's what's up, man. And I, yeah. I and I ain't gonna take up too much of your time. But one thing we like to do here at Cosign, bro, is um so earlier I asked you, you know, what I'm saying who was one person you think kind of co-signed you early on. So now I kind of want to give you the chance, like maybe there's some it doesn't even have to be comedy, maybe like a friend in another industry or somebody that you co-sign and that you, you know, feel like with the right opportunity or platform, you know, uh, they'll be doing great things too. Like does anybody else you support or co-sign out there coming up that people should look out for? This is this is somebody who co-signed me or somebody I'm co-signing. Somebody you co-sign. Oh, um, uh, yeah, um, for sure. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I have because you know I know so many like artists and entertainers, and I want to I want to co-sign um all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel you. I I, I get I get that a lot. I got to give you one. Yeah, I get that a lot, man. I know it's hard, you know, trying to single it down to one person, but, you know. Yeah. If if I could, if I could co-sign, um, I would do um, my, my, he's my, a good friend of mine. He's another comedian. His name is Jordan, Jordan Fisher. And he's a young, um, like, he's, we're the same age, young black comedian who, who, and I honestly think he, you know, with, he's going to be one of the, one of the big guys, one of the, one of the, one of the big uh, comedians out there one day and and he works hard and and puts in work and and he's done big he's done the tonight show also and he was working he actually got had a writing job on the tonight show and he's written on a couple of shows so um jordan fish is definitely a dude that i think people should look out for um that's um he he spells jordan j j o u r d a i n fisher okay and uh he's definitely like a real funny dude let's check out Perfect. And, and last but not least, man, if it's all said and done, bro, and it was up to you, how would you want your career to go? Where, what do you see for your future? Um, hopefully, I could just keep growing. I could get more people to know who I am. So when I come to your city, when I come, you know, whenever you you see, oh, Ian Lara is in Dallas, you're like, yo, we got to go to this show. And nice. I could I could keep selling, you know, shows, selling out shows to people who want to see me, who who enjoy my comedy and want to see more of me. And then hopefully, you know, we could parlay that into like maybe some TV, doing some TV or some movies. Who knows, man? 
Yeah, that's what's up, bro. I see in the future for you, bro. You know, we here at Cosign will continue to support you and, and co-sign you and spread your name to our audience, bro. So um, I definitely want to say thank you for taking your time out to do this interview with us. I know you could be doing anything for these 47, 48 minutes, but you spent it with us at Cosign, man. So it was greatly appreciated, brother. And uh, and yeah, I co-sign you, man. Thank you, man. I really, really appreciate that. And um, in, in the fall, I have a short uh, HBO special coming out on HBO Max in the fall. So look out for that, man. No, definitely. We will, man. And um, and this won't be the last time we chop it up. So definitely keep us in the loop with everything you have going on so we can, can you know, continue to, to spread your content, bro. So uh, I look forward to seeing uh, your special in the fall as well. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I no problem, man. You take it easy. All right. Later, man. All right. Later. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cosigns Conversations podcast with my guy, Ian Laura. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, comment, subscribe to the Cosign Conversations podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, please follow us on Instagram at CosignMag and visit our website, CosignMag.com, for everything Cosign related. And you must, I promise you guys, you must follow Ian Laura on Instagram at Ian Laura Live. And as always, please continue to live the Cosign life. Peace.